Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Maleficent, directed by Robert Stromberg and released in 2014. The story of Maleficent is a retelling of Disney's Sleeping Beauty from the point of view of the villain Maleficent. Okay, so we watched both Sleeping Beauty and Maleficent this week. We did. Uh, But really, we're talking about Maleficent, which we've just seen and is just out. I don't think you can talk about Maleficent without having without talking about Sleeping Beauty. No, you can't. I'm really glad we did watch Sleeping Beauty, even though Sleeping Beauty was awful. Yes, it was. Um, but I don't think you can talk about like what they were trying to do with Maleficent without talking about Sleeping Beauty. I've seen a lot of things about not touching classics. I don't think Sleeping Beauty is a classic. I think it's kind of crap. Yeah. The art is gorgeous, but everything else about it is just not good. And it doesn't have a very good story either. Um, so anyway, we saw Maleficent. It stars Angelina Jolie as the title character. It has Elle Fanning as Aurora. Um, and it's told from the point of view of Maleficent, who was a powerful fairy who, um, had fell in love with a boy and shouldn't have, he cut her wings off and she tries to take revenge and then realizes that that was maybe not the best idea ever. Yeah. And just for comparison, yes, we did also watch Sleeping Beauty, which was released in 1959, directed by... Clyde Geronimi, but the classic Disney Sleeping Beauty animated version. So, yeah, I – yes, you are correct. You do have to see them. I love this so much, Katie. I <laughs> loved this movie. I really enjoyed this movie. I don't know about – there were bits of it that I loved. There was kind of a bit of a mood whiplashy thing that I had – that I felt where there's a lot of really nasty violence mm. that I didn't think necessarily married with – like some other parts of the movie that well and maybe not so great for hitting the target audience that they're wanting to hit with this. Mm. Uh, I didn't think that was so great, but everything else I really enjoyed and I thought Angelina Jolie was amazing and I loved the story of it. Like I loved the way that they decided to tell this because Sleeping Beauty is so incredibly sexist. Mm -hmm. They even refer to Aurora as her parents' most valuable possession yeah, um, they give the the gifts that the idiotic fairies give her a love and song, beauty and song, beauty. Sorry, beauty and song, yeah. which is just moronic. Um, I, I did that was the dumbass fairies who are just as dumbass here, except they're shown up as such. Um, they give her slightly better gifts. She gets beauty, which is just stupid and useless, but she gets love. She gets no, no, no. It, it wasn't love. It's happiness. happiness. She gets happiness. Yes, happiness. There and she was about to get love. Right. Happiness. Um, that seems slightly like more useful. Green Fairy. Why? I don't know why they changed the names of the fairies for this one. I don't know. Um, and the personalities and also body types of the fairies for this one. Um, but in this one, Green Fairy is about to give her love and then Maleficent sort of swoops in yeah. <laughs> majestically. So, yeah, it, it. I don't – I mean, the gifts are just stupid. I really can't stand the fairies in the first one, and at least in this one, the fairies are shown to be incompetent morons. They're so dumb. We actually – when I, I we love- were – Oh, yeah, no, well, yeah when, when we're watching it, you were talking about how did she ever get raised by these idiots? Like, how do they ever figure out how to raise her? And this movie actually t- asks exactly the same question, and it turns out it's because of Maleficent's the only reason this kid survived. Which makes sense, because she was the only competent person in the first movie. Yeah. The parents go darker. Um, there's a lot of much darker stuff in this. Shalto Copley plays Stefan, who is Aurora's dad, mm. and he plays him super dark. The Scottish Stefan, by the way. Yeah. Is Stefan a Scottish name? Uh, I don't know. I just, he's, but still, I actually, 
they do something with King Stefan. Yet again, though, the wife, the queen, not even named. She's not named in the original. She's not named in this, and she barely gets to do anything. I believe she dies in this, which is actually a step down from the original, which is something else I wasn't hugely fond of. Yeah, well, it's not shown on screen, but she's shown dying because, I don't know, I guess that's what medieval queens do. But it is kind of made out to be the boss battle between Stefan and Maleficent. So, anyway, yeah, the the queen isn't treated quite – she still isn't treated well in comparison to what she was, but Aurora is treated a lot better. Well, everybody is. Aurora in, in Sleeping Beauty, by the way, doesn't speak again after she's put to sleep. She's put to sleep and woken up. And then I don't think she gets another line. No. And apparently something like 20% of her lines are her going, oh, oh, oh dear. <laughs> like not actual verbal lines. She gets, yeah, anyway, I, I'm quoting from this absolutely fabulous piece on BuzzFeed of all places, which I'll link to in the show notes, which goes through some of the history of uh the Sleeping Beauty story and where it's come from and things like that. But they do a little bit of original movie maths and they work out that Maleficent has something like 500 words, whereas Aurora speaks about 100 and then has another 140 words of song. And that's all she speaks in the whole movie. And then, yeah, doesn't talk after she's been put to sleep. And even Maleficent doesn't actually get to talk that much. Mm. Maleficent doesn't have that much screen time. Most of the female lines in that movie are said by the moronic fairies. I was so happy in this movie when the fairies get swept aside. (laughs) And shown for the morons that they oh, are. they're so dumb. They are so dumb. In the first movie, basically all the problems that they have are caused by themselves. Mm. And then in this one, yeah, they, they're just incompetent idiots. Mm. But it, it is just, I mean, it's so frustrating to watch the old one. It's just terrible. Actually, one of the changes from the old one is in the old one, the, old, the fairies are actually responsible for the death of Maleficent the dragon. Mm. And I liked they aren't even anywhere near it because we know in this one that they're just too stupid. <laughs> To even contemplate beating someone as awesome as Maleficent. Well, in the original, I was just sitting there like, you shouldn't have won. By all rights, Maleficent has won this. Mm-hmm. Like, she did everything right. There's no way. And your magic wasn't supposed to be able to do what it does. There's this weird magical loophole in the original. It just drives me crazy. I really don't like mm-hmm. it. The song is good. It looks really pretty in the original. The artwork in, in Sleeping Beauty is stunningly beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Maleficent is cool. Yes. Which I think is why they ended up doing this. It's because, like, people are saying don't touch a classic. Well, the reason that Maleficent is has gotten so much popularity is because Maleficent's the only interesting actual person in the original. It's the only thing anybody remembers. I saw the original for the – I only saw the original again for the first time this week since I was four years old because when I was four, uh, my mother, in her wisdom, decided to take me along to a screening of Sleeping Beauty at a cinema. And I was so terrified I had to be taken out. Yeah, Sleeping Beauty but is your Little Mermaid. All I can you, – you got scared in Little Mermaid? I had to be removed from Little Mermaid when Ursula got big. Yeah, well, I had to be removed from Sleeping Beauty when Maleficent got big. I don't know if it was when she came, became a dragon or at the beginning. I just – I know I was – I can all I can remember is being absolutely terrified and my brother really enjoying it and he wanted to stay. He was younger than me. All I remember is Maleficent. That's all I remember because she was – She actually did something in the movie and watching it again, she's the only one who ever does anything. And I talked to one of my friends when I said I'd watched it again. She's like, oh, that was my favorite when I was little. And I was like, ooh, really? And she's like, "Uh, I really liked the magic and how they made the dress change color. And I was like, you haven't seen it since you're about eight, have you? (laughs) And I don't think she had. It doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Um, The other thing, though, in this one, they changed the meet-cute between the prince and Aurora a little bit. 
Um, and I actually, apart from the fact that he keeps grabbing her while she's trying to run away, I actually like the pr- original better because there's this cute little bit at the end where she, where he's like, when will I see you again? She goes, never. And he's like, I'll come back in a week. And she's like, no, come back tomorrow night, <laughs> which I think is really cute. <laughs> that is pretty cute. Like, because she's sort of never seen a guy before, it seems like, in the original. Mm. And so she sort of doesn't know what to do. But she knows she likes him and she knows she wants to see him. Yeah, Prince Boyband. He's a bit, he's a bit of a... Um, well, I mean, he's not really important to the story at all. No, I, apart from to point out that it's kind of dumb to say true love's kiss is this guy who met her yes, for 30 they seconds. Yes, the frozen thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, and but I mean, the other thing that I think is interesting is that he's very much somebody that a teenage girl would like. Hmm. Like the way he looks. I mean, you yeah. called him Harry Styles. I leaned over. I, well, I genuinely thought that was Harry Styles. I was like, is that? I leaned over to Katie and like, is that Harry Styles? Oh, I just laughed because I didn't hear you say that and I thought you were comparing him to Harry no, Styles. No, I genuinely if- thought it was. I could tell after a minute, but it was because he's got this like, yeah, floppy teenage boy haircut. He look, he's, I just called him Prince Boy Band. I think he, he's Prince Philip, but yeah, he was perf- He was a perfect love interest, but there was no, he wasn't her true love. We don't know that. They're, they seem like they might get together later on, but it's not, there's, we don't end with a wedding. We, he's there. Uh, and he's not he's not the one to save her. He's not the true love's kiss. Oh, so I wasn't convinced by the end as well. Because <laughs> at the end of the movie, Maleficent decides to make Aurora the queen of fairydom. So in this movie, you've got the Moors, which are no, full of she fairies. Decides she's already inherited the throne because King Stephen's died. So she's the queen of the, the neighboring realm. So she's made queen of both realms. Right. So just just to go back to what I was saying, um, so the Moors are the fairy lands that don't have a queen is the point that I was trying to make. Yes. They initially don't have anybody. Not even democratic. They're like communists. Yeah, basically. They, they trust in each other or something. The line is something yeah. like that. They just trust each other and they will live together. And-, um, and Maleficent becomes their protector because she's so powerful. Yep. But she doesn't become their queen until after she goes on her big evil revenge kick and decides to just take over and make herself queen. Um, yep. So the fact that she then decided to make Aurora queen, like I know that it united them, but it also meant that the people who didn't have a queen now was were stuck. stuck with one, stuck and I didn't like that very much. No, I I agree with you. It I was... don't think that's a that's a mm. triumph. That's not a victory. No, no, because while they might that particular because see Aurora might well respect the ideas that they have about you know live and let live and not actually ruling over them, but she's not gonna live forever, right? And then they're stuck with a monarchy that and monarchies are notoriously terrible because you just get someone's kid mm-hmm. there's no you know at least um maleficent when she was declared herself their ruler their protector she was a natural candidate to become the leader of the moors yeah but it doesn't matter because she she named herself leader yeah she did but which she was, was not a per- that was awful like right. that was part she, of was her a bad evil. decision but she was also a natural leader of them you could tell that from she was set up from as that from the beginning she was naturally stronger in her magic but she was also she seemed to know everybody and she was um she was good at raising armies she had all the relationships in place like she was a natural leader yeah i think the only problem i think i still have a problem with it because she just declared herself leader she just decided i'm not saying it's right it was- yeah okay so then she also as we know from sleeping beauty she has a little crow that's her um assistant or yep. her sidekick or whatever minion Mm. um in this one he's a crow and she makes him into a dude who's played by sam riley Mm. who is very enjoyable and who i noticed does the nose thing that you do 
What nose thing? Like your nose moves when you talk and so does his. Oh, really? I yes. didn't notice that. I noticed it when there was like, mine it was a work. side shot and I was like, oh, that's why they cast him as crow. Anyway, um, it was cute. Mm-hmm. Sam Riley, very good, mm. I thought. He sort of acts as Maleficent's conscience while she's mm. doing the whole evil shtick, which she doesn't do very well. She's not at any point in this movie actually genuinely evil. No, she makes some bad decisions. She basically... When something t- genuinely horrible to happens to her, she goes off the deep end yeah, and, like, gets really angry for a little while. And unfortunately, with somebody as powerful as her, that has long-lasting and reaching consequences. Yeah. Um, so she cu- curses Aurora in a fit of anger and jealousy, not jealousy, revenge. And um, then after that, she isn't – because she isn't genuinely evil, she doesn't really want the kid to die. Yeah, and she tries to undo the curse, but she made her curse in a fit of anger where she said, oh, you can never undo this curse, and so she can't undo the curse, and she has to solve her problem another way. Yeah, so they do change her quite a bit, because in the original, she basically comes in and goes, you're going to die, and then it's up to the fairies to sort of undo that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And she decides to make a true love's kiss that will wake wake Sleeping Beauty because it doesn't exist. Yeah, because she had a failed love affair with King Stefan. Right. The baby's father. Yeah, and I see, I really like that the whole message of the thing was that this thing that is such a common trope of getting back at a guy through his wife or daughter, mm. as opposed to actually taking it out on the person who did you wrong, is a really bad idea and will cause you problems. I love that. That's such a feminist message. Yeah, it is. And, you know, solidarity and mm. the love between women and all that sort of thing is very much a part of this movie. And, and the fact that Maleficent is both earthly powerful and maternal. Mm-hmm. She's a, you, There's not one or the other. There's not mothers and powerful women. There's a powerful woman who is also maternal and who and I just that was a really important message too. Um, also the the bit at the end where they should, where um, the adult Aurora who's been narrating the movie goes, the the kingdoms weren't united by a hero or a villain, but a person who was both, mm. which, you know, indicates that there's good and bad in all of us. Yeah. And people aren't just one thing, which yeah. is good because a lot of people I've been seeing talking about how they shouldn't have softened Maleficent and how they should have just made her evil. And the point of this is that people aren't just evil. Even um, the king, even King Stefan wasn't just evil. No. He was a guy who was blinded by greed and then mm. when – he was Somebody a did poor something kid awful to him who wanted to do well in life. Yeah. And he chose ambition and power in his society. So, yeah, you can you feel for him and you understand why he makes the decisions that he does and he like Maleficent makes some dumb decisions like sending away your daughter as a baby to be raised by strangers and then expecting her to be on your side when she's 16 years old. Yeah. Also though with him um I think it's interesting that they – I mean, the movie doesn't paint him as, like, a straight-up villain to start with. Nope. Even when he decides that he's going to he, – he decides he's going to kill Maleficent, but then when he sees her, he doesn't. He can't. No, because he isn't that guy at that point. Mm-hmm. He will become that guy eventually. And Shalto Copley, of course, being the acting um, genius that he is, mm. plays that whole thing out perfectly. Like, you get, see him go from this sort of innocent moron – who decides to do something really awful to um to being a sleep deprived nut job 
who is obsessed with the idea of finding Maleficent to the point where he doesn't actually really care about his daughter at all. No. And he treats everybody around him terribly and he just turns into this tyrant. Yeah. Who no longer cares about anything except getting Maleficent, getting this revenge on Maleficent. Yeah. The whole thing with her wings was kind of nice. Oh, boy, yeah. I, I think that's a female power thing. Yeah, seems like it to seems me. Seems like it. That was really clever and heartbreaking when it happened. Like at that point, I was there were little kids in the row in front of me, mm. and I think that was the point at which I went, "Is this going to be too intense for them?" It wasn't though. They were like little kids, and they seemed they really enjoyed, and they didn't get bored. Either. Eight nine year old boys, maybe the <laughs> one in front of me at the point when. Like you guys know, there's gonna there's spoilers all through this. Um, at the point when Stefan dies because he Maleficent's about to kill him, she goes, "We're finished," and then he tries to kill her back in the classic tradition, and they fall off a tower in the classic tradition, and then she has wings. You'd think Stefan maybe shouldn't have done that because she has wings. Um, but anyway, he falls to his death. <laughs> the little boy in front of me goes. He's dead from a leap of faith. <laughs> Kids say weird stuff. Weird stuff. Like, he's dead from a leap of faith. I was like, what's the leap of faith? I, no, I don't understand. Clearly, he doesn't understand what a leap of faith is either. Cute. Yeah, it was. I just thought it was funny mm. and cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that. There yeah. were clearly Disney fangirls on either side of us. Yes. I heard the ones whispering next to me about all the things they kept changing. Mm. So I don't know what your side was like. Uh, they weren't whispering on my side, but I think that giggled when I said, Prince Boy Band. <laughs> because I didn't mean to say that out loud, but then I did. Yeah, Prince Harry Styles. Yeah, he was not really in it very much. Uh, who else? What else did it? Okay. Um, all the magic stuff was really neat. Mm. Um, it was really, really well made like it looked really good uh and so all the magic stuff but it reminded me a little bit it was it seemed like it was a little bit too much mm. magic stuff um the original movie made it seem more like there was integration of magic into the world yeah. and this was very much there's magic and then there's the world mm. and that raises all kinds of issues about why don't they have magic why don't they use the magic in different ways why do they have this separation why do they do all these things uh that don't really it, it sort of um in trying to answer some of the questions that the original movie posed i think they created a lot of questions within the movie that aren't answered mm. and so i think that wasn't maybe i can see what they're trying to do and i really appreciate what they're trying to do but it felt like it could have used a little bit longer in the whole like storytelling stage to kind of nut it all out and figure out where they were going with everything. Yeah. That was yeah. just a feeling I got. I didn't think too heavily on that, but I did really like what having her wings clipped meant to her. Like it was it made a big difference in her magic. Like she still had her powers, but she lost a lot in not being able to fly. I thought that was interesting the way that worked. Yeah, and especially there's that scene where she's trying to get to the castle at the end and she's on um, Diaval as a horse. Yeah. Because she changes him into a whole bunch of different things. And she's fighting the sun. She's trying to beat the sun there. Yeah. And you sort of get this realisation that, oh, she had her wings, she'd already be there. Mm. Like his act of, of cutting her wings off was way worse than 
he initially thought. It seems like he only did it to try and prove that he had killed her, but he had no idea what that would do. Mm. Well, yeah, and I, I was actually surprised that the wings were still alive when we got there. I didn't expect that. I thought that they'd be gone for good and that was she was just going to stay as she was, but no. Yeah, no. that was a little bit too um, convenient. deus ex machina mm. or wings ex machina or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a bit too convenient, really. Yeah. Also, I kept sitting there watching it going, change him back, change him back, because she's changed Diavel into a Diavel into a dragon. Oh, yeah, me too. I was really was worried because I was worried he was going to die. And I was like, this isn't your fight. You're going to die. But well, he, he, he chose to go in there. I know he chose to go in there. But, I mean, I, I worried he was going to die at the hands of those stupid fairies. And he didn't, thank God. Mm-hmm. Those fairies, man. They were so I awful. Hate the fairies. Yeah, but finally we see them for the awful people they are. They're led by Dolores Umbridge too. Of, <laughs> of, in all the perfect casting, the stupid one is the most stupid one is Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Well, they're all dumb, mm. but also they don't. There wasn't. They're any... all dumb, but she's the worst, and she's the worst in the movie too because she steals the others' wands off them and refuses to let them do magic. I know. I always found her worse than the other. She does that in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, in the movie. Sorry, the Sleeping Beauty. Yes, in Sleeping Beauty. Um, yeah, she is worse than the others. She tries to be their leader, and they clearly don't want one. Mm. Um, but also in the original Merryweather, who was fat, by the way, in the original in Sleeping one. Beauty, and is not in this one, and that kind of pissed me off. Yes. Um, Merryweather was also the one going. I don't think this is right. Although she also was part of the pink and blue thing. Mm. So there were a little bit more, which is referenced of very briefly. Yeah, she slaps her um, Melda Stoughton's character across the face, and her face goes blue. I I kind of would have liked to have seen the reference to that. Like, I think that would have been good, mm. but that doesn't really matter, I suppose. No, they reference the cake, but not the dress. Yeah, and I know I'm going to tell my friend who was all, "Oh, I love Sleeping Beauty." Because I love the dress. I'm going to tell her but to go and see it and she's going to be disappointed. She's like, there's no dress. The dress didn't change colour. She just wears the blue dress, which I like because Disney in its marketing makes Aurora wear the pink dress and they had um, Elle Fanning was always dressed in blue and I thought that was nice and unprincessy. The pinkification of toys and princesses mm. and Disney things. It made me excited just to see one in blue. Yeah. I didn't think Elle Fanning was very good in this. Yeah. It wasn't that she was particularly bad, but she couldn't really hold on to that accent. It was a little bit out of her grasp. And she's acting against Angelina Jolie, who is magnificent in this yeah. part. She, if, if there's a part, if there's an actress born for this part, it's Angelina. Yeah. There's almost nobody else who could carry it off as well as she could. And Elle Fanning was just way outgunned. She was way outgunned. And it was, it was Angelina Jolie versus Chateau Copley, who mm. was also – an incredible actor. Yeah. And Elle Fanning is a very good young actress. She's been in some stuff I've seen her in mm. before and she's very good, but she's not – like it seemed like the director was just going, and smile, and smile again. And she's like, why am I smiling in this part? Yeah, and she's out of her natural accent, so she's hampered by that as well, I think. Yeah. Which, I mean, Angelina is too, but I, it's just I probably just an experience thing. I don't know that she's ever – Elle Fanning has ever carried a whole movie out of her natural accent before. I, as far as I know, she hasn't. Um, Angelina Jolie's accent actually isn't perfect either, but no. it is very consistent. Right, and, and it's it's good. It's actually not that different from her um, Lara Croft, which was perfect. Watching her do the scene, the cursing scene, was like a gift. Oh, it made me so happy. But you know, I already know how much I love this movie. 
every little tiny thing that she did was so like reminiscent oh. of the original movie. A lot of the lines were exactly the same. Yep, a lot yep. of the moments were exactly the same. But even without being identical, all of the little things she did were like almost exactly the same, but they were informed by this like hurt, like this. Um, you knew what was behind all that. Yeah. But there was this kind of, the whole scene was like this, like a facade, basically. Mm. You could see the facade in her CGI of animated eyes, not animated, um, enhanced. Yeah. Oh, when she made the king kneel. Oh, yeah. She's, what, beg. I like it when you beg. And then he has to kneel. Oh, it's just such a victory. Well, every little giggle and every little, like, every little hard smile with nothing behind it in that scene was so delicious. I could watch that scene, like, 20 times and dissect it forever. And it's magnificent. And they do it very much like the animated original with all the green fire and, oh, she's brilliant. I was a little bit – I kind of liked the idea of the uh, gold representing the good powers and the green representing the bad powers i was just going to talk about that yeah but at the same time i kind of missed all the green around maleficent because like i was noticing in the original how all the fire on when she set the fire to the thorn forest all the fire was green Mm, mm -hmm. and i was like that was cool in the original movie and they didn't do that in this one well yeah it would have made sense as well because she was like if it was if it's malicious magic it was malevolent magic you can be green and it would look awesome and it would look you know they could have used that cool green fire effect from um game of thrones you know when they light the boats on fire in the last oh yeah yeah that cool stuff or you know they just make green fire like tom does on halloween yeah i mean yeah it would have been cool to get to see the green yeah you know that that stuff but that's okay um yeah there was a lot of really pretty things in it anyway especially in the moors they were quite pretty the, the difference between the Moors and the human world was really stark mm. to the point where you were kind of like, yeah, I can see where the humans are coming from. Human world sucks. Well, the human world looks like 13th century, 14th mm. century. Like it, it's just basically medieval times. Yeah, but it's all metal and hard and mm. there's, iron. There's this scene. I didn't like this scene either. The scene when she walks through the iron spikes, which are there for no reason. Like they aren't surrounding the castle. There's no reason why she has to walk through them. They're designed to keep her out of Aurora's room. But they aren't only there. Like, I mean, there's other ways to get there. Right. Everybody else seems to be getting there without using that passage. And then they managed to float Prince Harry Styles through that stuff while barely avoiding it themselves. Well, but it doesn't affect him. He doesn't get burned by iron like she No, does. but he could get, like, there's spikes everywhere. The whole thing is spikes. If he bumps against it, he can get cut or, like, stabbed or something. Yeah, or I don't know. Somehow they manage. I didn't, yeah. It was, that scene was just really extraneous and silly and that's what i think there's a few scenes in it where they're just extra scenes because they're trying to fill up a runtime which isn't to say i mean like i said i really enjoyed this movie i think i i really admire what they're trying to do with it and i love all of the empowering messages and concepts and stuff right Mm -hmm. i just feel like there was something at a storytelling level that was maybe missing or maybe just a little bit askew that they needed to fix before they made this. There's some plot holes, yeah. Yeah, the plot holes, the motivations for some things. Like, it just, just like, like it needed a little bit of adjustment mm-hmm. before they kind of put it out there. That's all. Fair enough. But otherwise, and, and, you know, the casting sometimes was a little bit off. 
So I want to talk about this review that I wa- that I read. Oh yeah, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. This is the most bile spewing, nasty little anti-feminist review that I have read of a movie in a really long time. I mean, there are slightly sexist reviews. This one is a full-on hate fest for. I mean, I mean, he uses the the phrase that the prince is a little twink of a prince. He says. Even the kiss that awakens Aurora has a feminist slant to it, like that's a bad thing. He talks about the man who done her wrong, men, those rat bastards. Like, everything that he does in it is so full of just really nasty anti-women hate. Mm. And his whole opening paragraph is about what Angelina Jolie looks like. Who cares? She's perfect. She looks perfect in this role. Yeah. Um, the whole first paragraph is like, oh, her lips look like this and her eyes look like this and her hair looks like this. And you're just like, oh, my God. It's so, so sexist, this little review. And mm. I've seen a lot of stuff that's like – No, it's not a little review. This is Peter Travers who writes in Rolling Stone, who is a well-known film critic who's been around for – I would suggest been writing for 30 years. This is not some new person writing their blog and spewing some bile. This is a mainstream film critic in a mainstream publication. So yes, let's. I don't put tear his guts out. I don't care. I meant short. Oh, oh, it's only short. <laughs> I read it out to you in like two minutes. It's only oh, that a was short. All of it. Yeah, that's. Oh wow. I, I meant it was a short review. <laughs> no, that's okay though. I understand. Sorry, it's no minor critic. Yes. This is this is like the mainstream view of this movie is some dickhead misogynist, basically. Yeah, I was just referring to the fact that there's that much hatred in so few words. Mm, I, that I mean. Too. Yeah, the the visuals were really good and I think there were some minor storytelling issues, but I don't think it was to the extent that he was talking about how bored he was and how he was falling asleep and how it was the story was sacrificed to the um visuals. Yeah. I think they really wanted to do something good with the story and they clearly know what their main points are. Yeah, it's not a perfect movie, I agree with you. But it's brilliant and it is one of the most empowering movies I've watched recently. Yeah. And I, it felt made me feel good about female power, about motherhood, about princess movies, about Disney. Made me feel a whole lot better about Disney. See, that's the thing about Frozen as well. Frozen is another one where I'm like, I really love the message you guys are doing. I love it. Yeah. There are still some storytelling hiccups with Frozen as well. Yeah, yeah, it's not perfect, but it is really good and incredibly empowering. And look at how it's taken off. Yeah, and that's really neat. I think that's terrific. But the thing is, it seems to me like people are um, making these movies with this message that's really close to them that's really important. And they're so interested in getting that message out there that they're not putting as much effort into how they're telling it as they could do. Right. Does that make sense to you? Like yeah. I, because what I want to see is these movies, but these movies that will go down in history as being classics. Hmm. That's what I want. One of these movies, one of these awesome, empowering female Disney movies that both this and Frozen are. That, and I'm hoping Frozen will do it, like go down in history as a classic in spite of its flaws. But what I want is one that's just like one of those ones that people will go, yes, this movie is just one for the ages. This is a classic. This is a really great movie. I I hope so. I I just think this is about as good a movie as you could get. F- particularly in retelling this story. It's a wonderful kind of part wish fulfillment, it's part 
reclaiming. I, I really enjoyed it and I am willing to overlook any storytelling flaws. I don't know that it'll go down for the ages. I really don't. But I suspect it's going to hit a nerve. I hope so. I think, yeah, I think it will go hit a nerve. Um, I think it's very much um, a product of what we're going through at the moment where we're going through this period at the moment of feminism coming up against some roadblocks that we haven't come across, come across for a while. Hmm. And that's making women angry. Yeah, like how we our reproductive rights and political rights almost seem to be going backwards in some yeah. areas. Yep. That's basically what I'm – yeah. And and the fact that that's all happening is making women angry and it's making women make these kinds of movies. And that's great. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. These are the kinds of movies we want and these are the kinds of movies we want kids to see. Yep. Right? So this is the kind of movie I want to show to older kids. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the really little ones because there's some eight, really dark violence seem in to it. be fine with it. Yeah. But this is the kind of movie that you want your kids to see. So – and it would be great if we made some adult movies like this too. I saw a movie yesterday called The Babadook, which is an Australian horror movie, and that had like this kind of feminist slant to it as well, this kind of look at women what have to put up with, look what women have to come up against mm. in their everyday lives. It's going to make us lose it. Yeah, and, and that kind of idea. And that's what M- I thought Maleficent did really well, is that linking the personal and political. Like, look at all this crap she has to put up with because her the, the man she fell for comes from this stupid human society yeah and the i i'm really appreciating the angry the mo- the way that people are using their anger in these things so yeah yeah take what you want from the whole story pr- telling problems that i've been having with a couple of these movies lately but i'm really glad they're being made me too and the one thing that makes me sad about this is that we have a male director yeah. Uh, Robert Stromberg. And he's excellent and he's got two Oscars and he makes the visuals fantastic. Nothing against him, but we have a female screenwriter and it shows and I think it really would have shown if we'd had a female director. Yes, I think it would have as well. Mm. And I think that would have got, put an interesting um, perspective on it. And um, like for crying out, just like what do you have to do to get a movie, like a, a big commercial movie as a woman? Like really, what what do you have to do? Here's one that is a female lead, female story, Disney girl targeted, and they still can't put a woman in the chair. No, um, I think what do you have to do? But they to put do a first time director in. It, this it, is not like it's not like they couldn't have picked a woman. I think what you have to do in order to get it is to be famous in the first place. Hmm. Um, you have to become famous for doing something else, right? But this guy—he's not a director, been director before. He just—I mean, he was, it's not that he's not well known, but he. This is a first-time director. They put it in the hands of a first-time director. It's not like they couldn't have trusted an an experienced woman or a, a woman who's a visual effects person or a woman who's a writer or something. Like anyway, yeah, I think in order to be a female critic, you need to—I mean, critic director. I'm sorry, I was thinking about how there's no female critics. You have to already um, be established as a director. No, not necessarily even as a director. Actress would yeah. be fine. Yes. Um, celebrity for no reason. Right. Elizabeth um, Banks is directing the next um, Pitch Perfect. <gasps> really? Yeah. That I makes know. me so happy. I'm so excited to see her direct. And I would love to see Angelina directing. Obviously, she couldn't direct this. I don't, I don't think it necessarily works when you play such a big lead and also direct. Angelina would be a magnificent director. And I really would like to see her get behind the camera. 
Right, that, but that's what I mean. That, I think that's what you have to do in order to become be a female famous. director on something. Either that or be um, Catherine Bigelow. Yeah, but she, who has worked for 30 years to establish her name as a director. And while I love Catherine Bigelow, the other thing she's done is made a whole lot of movie about men, movies about men. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of her famous movies are about men. She directed Point Break and, and mm. um, The Hurt Locker. Zero Dark, zero 30. Dark 30 is not about men. So yay that. Although apparently the reason that the guy who was the lead in um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is the lead is because he got a lot of good press after Zero Dark Thirty, which I was like, but doesn't – I haven't seen it, but doesn't that have two women in the lead? I don't know. I know nothing about it. I know it's an army. It's about um, – it's, isn't it about the um, takedown of Osama Bin Laden? Yes, but it has – well, from what I can tell, it has – it starts out with somebody in the lead Je- and then Jessica, Jessica Chastain Ch- takes over. Jessica, I don't know. I know Jessica Chastain is like the analyst in – Washington who gets the intel, but I, I'd always assume that was a male-driven movie because it was about an army thing. I, I have a feeling it isn't, yeah. but I'm not sure. I, but anyway, we'll, the we'll guy check. the guy who was in it got so much good press that he managed to get the lead in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And the thing is, I'm really excited about Dawn of the Planet of the Apes because Rise of the Planet of the Apes was so much better than it has any right to be. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing movie. But I was like, why could? Why is it another one where there's clearly a white male lead, a white male antagonist? You're trying to do something different here. Do something different. Mm. Anyway. So, yeah, Maleficent, one of the great things about Maleficent and also one of the amazing things about Wicked and the thing that has made Wicked so popular and so long-lived and so celebrated among people, which... Like I keep seeing things that are like this is the this does to Sleeping Beauty what Wicked does to Wizard of Oz as if that's a bad Woo-hoo! thing. They keep writing it like it's a bad thing, and I'm like, it's a good thing. Look, Wicked is amazing, and people love it. But the reason that people love it is because it tells the story of a woman who was mistreated because people don't understand her, and it tells the story of that woman and her friendship with another woman. Mm -hmm. That's the main story, and that's the main story of Maleficent too. And what we are learning from this is people like that. And look at Anna and Elsa on Frozen as well. Right. Same story. Women who are rejected for whatever reason, their looks, their power generally, who are redeemed through their friendship and relationship with another woman. Right. And and it's kind of an interesting, like, unpopular versus popular women and stop being against each other and start being together. Mothers versus powerful women, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So it, it's this whole coming together of women to say, we aren't the problem, they are. <laughs> um, and, like, that's this the, – clearly this is hitting a nerve with people. Clearly this is tapping into something. Stop trying to analyse why they're popular. The reason they're popular is because they're about – Women and women's friendships. That's why they're popular. It's not pitch, that hard We, we to just understand. talked about Pitch Perfect. It's the same thing. Women, their friendships, their lives, their stories. Right. Our stories. That earns money. The concept that it doesn't is baffling to me because clearly it earns money. We are seeing every day that this this gets lots of money. Um, Hunger Games, which has a woman in the lead, is getting lots of money. A Frozen got huge amounts of money. Mamma Mia, which was uh, woman, women in the lead, made a fortune and turned itself into a Broadway musical. The yeah. world is round, people. <laughs> but that's the thing is that every single time you see it, it's like, but women movies about women don't make money. And that's completely And don't have crossover crap. appeal. 
And we're seeing it. We're seeing it all the time. It's being proven that it makes money. Mm-hmm. Maleficent had a huge opening weekend. It hasn't actually had it. This is its opening weekend. It will, yeah. though. It will. By the time I, this I comes out. I was looking up before I. Before it I, will have had an opening. Oh, have you? I've yeah. seen it. Oh, cool, cool. It said that it, it had a really big opening weekend. Right. Excellent. I, while I was looking through it just before we started recording. I, I'll look it up. Cool. Also or opening I'll, day. I'll put it in the show notes. Sorry, I didn't realize. Because, yeah, this is the opening weekend. Yeah. Clearly, these stories are hitting a nerve and making money. Our cinema was full. Yes, completely full. And full of a really diverse audience. Like three little boys and their mum. And there was an older couple. There were Disney fangirls. It was a group of teenagers down the front who were clearly Disney people. Mm. who I think might have been um, Starkid fans. Um, <laughs> there were all kinds of people in our cinema. This is not just – this isn't niche. Yeah, the people in front of us in our cinema made a reference to um, – well, what I assume was a reference to Twisted the Musical because they talked about um, um, Jafar as the point of – from a movie from the point of view of Jafar and then him teaming up with Ursula and Maleficent and Scar, which is exactly what happens in the title number from the musical Twisted by Starkid, which you guys should check out if you like good stuff. Um, yeah, no. Maleficent earned $24 million in its opening day. There you go. Yeah, I know. Shocker. Movies about women make money? No way. Mm-hmm. This is what I, I just don't get it. And it's written by a woman and it's starring a woman. And Angelina Jolie clearly had a lot of input into this. Oh, she's so good. I, I, she's just born to do this role. She's so good. It's not just that. Angelina Jolie, I think, is really interesting in that she she is someone who sees the benefit of all of these feminist movies that are coming out and puts all of the effort into getting them done. Yeah. She is someone who, I, I think, from what I can tell. I, I'm well, we were talking about this because she doesn't act very much. She maybe does one movie every two years or so. She's got so much going on in her life. She doesn't need to act and she only really gets out there if she believes in something, I think. Yeah. And she believed in this and she really, really put her power behind it and made it happen. I don't know if we can find this quote to put it in the links, but I I read a quote that was like, I loved where she said, I loved my horns in this and I never wanted to take them off. And after seeing it, I was like, I totally get why. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were great. Yes. Um, So, yeah, it's an interesting sort of embracing of the different and the weird. There's actually, I I will, there's a thing that I see on Tumblr every so often, which is Shelley's Theron playing the evil stepmother in Snow, one of the Snow White movies, Mm -hmm. where she talks about how she walks as the queen. She's like shoulders back, chest forward, and just think murder. Long neck. Think murder and walk. And she's so amazing. She just transforms. And there's so much power in being that person and having these people who have been villains, these women who have been maligned as villains for so long, for simply acting on their own, you know, act, having agency and acting To be on their fair, own. Maleficent was a villain. Yeah. <laughs> like she was a full-on villain and it is nice to she get to see. She was made into a villain, but she was made into a villain because it was easy to do. It's easy to think of a witch as a villain. Yeah, I mean, there are certain male tropes that, it's easy to think of them as a villain too. It it is. I don't. I'm not trying to say that. Um, I like having evil women in things as well, and women who are evil for the point of being evil. Mm. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because it it does even out the playing field a bit as well. Yep. Like women can be bad. The concept that women can't be bad is also a patriarchal notion, mm-hmm. which I've been seeing a bit lately. Um, yeah, but a lot of Maleficent's badness is. 
it's attached to, um, and I know we'll link this magnificent BuzzFeed article because this talks about this in more detail. It's attached to ideas about witchcraft, yeah, and women, uh, women with power being threatening, and and even Maleficent, Maleficent is even named after a papal decree that declared that it was cr- the Christian imperative to rid the earth of witches. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, mm. um, especially if you're turning that on your on its head like they do in this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really interesting that. Uh, I mean, I, it's interesting to get to see women who are just mean mm. and bad, like because we've been seeing men do that for a long time as well. And it's yeah. fun to – I mean, Maleficent was a great villain because she was so evil. I think separating this movie's Maleficent from the original movie's Maleficent is a good idea mm-hmm. because the Malef- original movie's Maleficent is great for different reasons to this one. Yeah. Um, she's great because she's so wonderfully awful. She's so wonderfully mean. She's only mean because she's just that way. Mm-hmm. And that's who yeah. she is. And and she's basically the only character in that movie with agency, making yeah. shit happen. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I don't think that's necessarily um, – I don't think she's necessarily a bad thing either to have in movies, even if that original movie was very sexist. It's fun to have evil villain, f- female evil villains. Well, we want to see the whole spectrum of women. It's just the way that – that people demonize women as in witches so that they're women of power or women who don't want to be mothers, like with the JK Rowling issue with Bellatrix Lestrange and, um, and Molly, Molly Weasley, um, demonizing women who don't, who aren't maternal, things like that. That's a really big problem. And that, that was one of the things I liked about this in that Maleficent isn't overtly maternal. She doesn't actually want a kid of her own, but she really sees value in having a relationship with this child that she's intimately connected with. But she's not – you can't imagine her just, you know, going off and having kids and she doesn't want to and that's fine and her life is perfectly full without them. Mm. But there's a side to her that is maternal and it's okay to have both of those sides. Well, not even maternal. I mean, it is maternal, but you see it actually all the time in in movies about men Mm. where men forge these bonds with children – and you're like, that man may never have a child, but isn't it sweet that he's being nice to this little kid? That's kind of what Maleficent is in this movie. Right, exactly. She's part of the the village, really, like the whole saying about it takes a village to raise a child. A lot of what's important in a kid's life is not just the relationship with their parents, it's having relationships with other adults who are different role models, who may have different lives, who do different things. It's you know, forging those relationships. And I think that's interesting too. Yeah, I think that the idea and the themes and stuff of this movie are terrific and in some ways stronger than the movie itself was. But you <laughs> loved it. so I loved it. I, it. I feel a bit like when we talked about X-Men. Right, and you loved that and I just liked it. Yeah. yeah. I think we sort of like different things in movies, which is fine. Yeah, I started clapping that's at the good. end of this. Yeah. But thankfully there were little boys in the cinema and they started clapping too. Yeah. And that's good. It's good to like different things. And I really do want diversity and so I'm I'm very fond of movies coming out that yeah. are like this. And the reason I liked it so much is because this did what I, I always talk about how I never give out five-star ratings because I need to leave the cinema feeling seven feet tall. This made me leave the cinema feeling seven feet tall. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I just felt better about myself, about the world, about everything. I just really liked it. Yeah. I kind of felt that thrill when I came out of Captain America, whereas this didn't do it for me. There was a line somewhere then at the end that was so clunky. and Yeah, that well, they explained something they didn't need to. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was after Stephen, King Stefan was killed or if it was 
No, no, it was later than that. When they're in the True Love's Kiss, it was the True Love's Kiss one where where Sam Riley. Oh yeah, we figured Diavol. that out, dude. Yeah. We figured it out. Yeah, Diavol, yeah. Show don't I can't tell say his name. Yeah. Diavol goes True Love's Kiss, and we're like, yeah, we know. They didn't explain that in Frozen. In Frozen, when Elsa saves Anna with uh, True Love's Kiss, it's not explained. It's just obvious, right? So yeah. I think you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was perfect. I'm going to give it five stars though, because I. I but I don't think I, I agree fair. with you that there's. It's not perfect, but it just made me feel so good. I did the same thing with Captain America. Yeah, it, uh, no movie's perfect. No, no movie's ever going to be perfect. But this is as close as it gets for me, and I just was so delighted with it. Do you know what I really want from a movie? Yes. While we're talking about this, what I really want from a movie is Captain America with a girl in it. Oh, my God, yes. What I really want from a movie is Star Trek 2009, which is one of my top five movies of all time, but with a girl as the lead instead of – I mean, not that Chris Pine as Kirk is – he's one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, but you know what we're doing here? We're doing a not all men. Every time we say – I did it with the director before. I said, said, look, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's perfectly fine. And you did it with Chris Pine. There's nothing wrong with Chris Pine either. We're doing not all men. Like, we like these guys. We just want women doing it. Yeah, well, yeah. What I mean is, I I genuinely adore Chris Pine's Kirk. Like, not in a not in a, I, a not all men way. In a he is one of my favorite right, things ever. But we want that. But I want I want a movie like that mm-hmm. where I want a movie that's like that that has so much fun for so, me in it. The explosions and the and the the pacing and the writing and the way that it's so tight and the way that it all makes sense and the way that well, there's some plot holes in that too. But might the way it all just, if I get such a movie exactly like or Captain America too, where the story is so interesting and he goes through so many interesting things and all the supporting cast are so diverse. I want that with a girl in it. Mm-hmm. You know, I on. Uh, Friday night, I watched Wonder Woman, the animated movie from 2009. It has Carrie Russell doing the voice of Wonder Woman. And I, I that made me feel like that. It's based off a Gail Simone book, so you know it's good. And I just, I was like, why can't we have this in live action? It was, she was um, Wonder Woman and uh, Nathan Fillion was Steve Trevor. Amazing movie. Gorgeous, fun, feminist, badass, explosions. And all the kinds of cool shit like invisible jets and Wonder Woman kicking everybody's ass and all that stuff. And like, why can't we have this? And it, and it was basically Thor, right? A lot of the story was stuff we have in Thor. Wonder Woman's got mummy issues. Wonder Woman's got, Wonder Woman comes from a different society and has to learn to deal with Earth. Wonder Woman, you know, has a, a strong antagonist back on Amazon who causes these kind of issues with her. And then she needs to learn to use other people's strengths and it's not just about having a big swinging hammer um <laughs> i know Your hammer is my penis <laughs> yeah, sorry I, know. I can't get but- through i can't get through a thor movie without thinking that just so you know <laughs> seriously if you see me watching a thor movie what i'm doing is sitting there every so often going basically this is me watching a thor movie hiddles is pretty the hammer is my penis i like darcy Hiddles is pretty. That's what my whole that's my whole experience of watching a Thor yeah, movie. Well, exactly. But Wonder Woman has a lot in common with Thor. Thor's got had two movies. He's going to be in two Avengers films. But there's he's no a white guy. Problem making movies about Thor. And this story was basically the same, except there was a woman in the lead, and it was totally feminist, and it made me feel really good about myself. I, why? Why is it so hard, DC? You've done this in animated form. You've got a script. You've got a writer. You've got people on staff who 
already know this character and can make it good. You've even got an actress engaged for the role and for bloody cheap, I might add. Why not make it happen? Why is because, this not happened already? Because who who owns that? Who owns DC? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Because Warner Brothers. Can I just say I love the career resurgence of Kerry Russell, where she seemed to go away for like 10 years and come back 20 times stronger? Yay. <laughs> like, she is phenomenal now. I loved her when she was still a teenager. Yeah, I know, but she was mm. clearly a teenager. Like, she was when she was in Felicity, she was clearly young. Yeah. You know, she had some of the young things going on. Mm. Um, and now that she's come back, she's awesome mm, yeah, yeah um i watched the first half of the first seasons of the season of the americans and she was the only reason i kept going as long as i did mm. i ended up having to stop because there was some problems with the story that i couldn't yeah. get past i've actually but, not, not watched that one but like this this wonder woman movie right amazon is this all woman planet and all these fabulous actresses are in the voice roles. There's rosario dawson marg helgenberger like bunch of really cool actresses just in these um, leading roles imagine what that would be like on screen you could have you could just hire all the awesome actresses of hollywood and put them on screen together because they live on this all woman planet and have all these crazy stuff going on anyway that would be great but you lost me like five minutes ago because now i'm thinking about dr horrible sing-along vlog <laughs> that anyway. is my penis <laughs> i know For, since i talked about that my um dr Ho horrible sing-along vlog has been parading through my head I love Dr. Horrible. Yeah. There's something so wonderful about it. But anyway, I'm trying to focus on what we're talking about. Yes, that would be really great to have. As a, like, this is the thing is that I would love, God, I would pay to go see a Wonder Woman movie like that six times. Easily. D and you know she would. Money. She saw Star Trek five times at the cinema. Seven. At the cinema? Yes. Wow. I only saw it with you three times at the cinema. Wow. Seven, six. I thought it was seven, six or anyway. seven. It yep. was six or seven. A lot. Um, I feel like it was seven. I uh, I trust you. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was only there for three of them. Yeah, no, because I saw it with Jamie a couple of times. I saw it with my dad once. <laughs> it took my dad long to – my father, of course, went, oh, it's Star Wars. And I was like, that's oh. why it's so great about this one. He also said Firefly was Star Wars. And I was like, actually, to be fair, he was kind of right on both parts but kind of wrong because with Firefly, the whole point is what if Han Solo had his own show but it was good. Mm. Um, and with Star Trek, it was what if we put together what's fun about Star Wars with what's good about Star Trek. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the th and and Star Trek Into Darkness wasn't as good, and that's sad. But the original Star Trek uh, reboot for me is the perfect is the perfect storytelling um, model mm. where that's how you tell a movie because that movie doesn't let up. Mm. it just goes and goes and goes and you have to go along with it. It has such a strong lead, but also all the supporting characters are so great. It looks phenomenal. I don't care what you say about the lens flare. It is brilliant. Um, and You've so never see me complain about lens flare. No, but other people do. Mm. <laughs> so to me, that is like, if you had that with a girl, that would be my perfect movie. Mm -hmm. If you had that with a female lead, that would be that would be a movie that I would buy on DVD and Blu-ray. I don't have a Blu-ray player. I don't care. Go see it seven times at the movies. Like, that would be amazing. Mm. That's what I want. I'm with you. 
So are we going to rate Maleficent? I already have, but you should rate Maleficent. I'm going to write, give Maleficent three and a half stars out of five. I'm giving it five out of five. Okay. Yay, because I'm happy. All right, I suppose we should wrap up the show. That's so much fun. I'm leaving this all in. This is going to be an hour-long episode. I don't <laughs> even care. Well, maybe I'll cut some of the f***s out. I think at the I think you might want to cut some stuff at the beginning because I was sort of rambling at the because I don't have a review for this one so I haven't organized my thoughts yet. This is what I'm like, by the way, when I haven't organized my thoughts about a movie yet. Mm. I have to have them like tidied down into something because otherwise they're just no, you're all right, and you don't get to make any um. Th- there's no like obvious jokes like um grandstanding. <laughs> Eric Grandstanding, which went totally over my head last week. Man, I can't even make a joke about Maleficent being horny because <laughs> there's no sort of sexual or no content to it. Completely, unfortunately, not. it would be great if I could make a horny Maleficent joke, mm. but no. Well, there you've just pointed out another really good thing about it. It's not because she's sexually frustrated or because she can't have children or anything no, like that. No, I mean it is because of a man. It is because of a man. Yeah, in the traditional Anya. Vengeance demon. Vengeance demon and hell hath no fury and all of that mm. sort of thing. I don't know. I Yeah, I, I I was willing to forgive it because we've all gotten crazy over a relationship that didn't work. But it's not just that. She realizes it's it's a <laughs> – actually, you know how you hear about the friend zone and things like that oh, all the time? Yes. Even though he, he does something much, much worse to her, which is much more sort of in the female experience of life. Mm. It, it It's interesting that that's sort of what she does. I'm going to find out who says that thing while we you can wrap up the show. It sounds like a good plan. Thanks very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to read our show notes, and they're good show notes this week, I promise, you can do that at our, at our website, which is silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review, which she hasn't written yet, but this was her thinking process, it's at silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Come and chat to us on Twitter at screen underscore queens or find us on Facebook or hang out with us on Tumblr, which is our favorite place, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. See you next time.